Welcome to Listen by Jean Ginsberg. This audio experience and podcast is all about social media, digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and interviews with top entrepreneurs in the digital and social space. I'm your host, Jean Ginsberg, digital marketing expert, number one best-selling author, and award-winning entrepreneur. I will be sharing with you strategies, tips, and tactics on how to grow your business and your social media following. Thanks for listening. This episode of Listen by Gene Ginsberg is part of the Colorado Tech Startup Series. In this series, we showcase leaders of tech companies in Colorado, everything from apps, analytics, cannabis, and software, and SaaS companies to show the amazing talent that's going on in tech companies in the state of Colorado. Please enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, Gene Ginsberg here. Very excited. Have a very special guest today, Ernie Graham from HomeBot. How are you? Doing great, Gene. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is fantastic. So thanks so much for being here. And tell us a little bit more about your company. What is HomeBot? Uh, so we provide marketing software to mortgage lenders and real estate agents uh, that they in turn give to their clients to help them build wealth through home ownership. Okay, so can you break that down a little bit for someone who's like not really aware or not in the <laughs> that's industry? My, that's my eight-second pitch. <laughs> yeah. So here's what we Your yeah. elevator pitch. Now let's right. get into the meat of it. Sure. So um, in America, 83%, the average amount of uh, the average wealth that Americans retire with comes from home equity. Okay. People retire in home equity in America, uh, but they don't think of their home as an asset, much less as a retirement plan, and they make terrible decisions. So when people buy a home, they don't think of it as an asset. And so they don't buy when they should, sell when they should, remodel, refi, stop paying mortgage insurance. There's all these things that they don't do okay. that could help them build wealth or save money with their home if they just thought of it as their retirement plan. Because like I said, that's the bulk of your retirement plan. And so what our tool does is it's this dashboard for that homeowner that tells them everything. It tracks their home value and their loans and their interest, and then it gives them all this intelligence about what to do and when to do it. Okay. It's all about saving money and building wealth. And the cool part about this is, is that our customers are loan officers and real estate agents. So we sell to them and they give it to their clients. For free. For free. And because right now, you know, your your lender, your agent your relationship kind of dies at the closing table. Yes. Like you got what you wanted. I got what I wanted. I got yeah. the commission check. See ya. And there's uh, this tremendous opportunity for that lender, that agent to provide value right. to you after the close throughout your life cycle of home ownership. And what they get in return, they get very loyal, long time repeat customers. Yep. You're more likely to refer them. And at the end of the day, that's a great way to build a business. I love it. So, so does that mean like basically on, on how the market's going, it will tell you like, should I refinance or should I sell my house or like yes, is that the kind yes. of things that you would be. So like, give us maybe some examples of like, if I were, you know, you bought a house, like what are the things that it would tell you to do? Or Yeah. So just... I'll start with like the obvious refi. Um, you know, refis are like those things where like there's booms, right? There's a refi boom and then they go down. There's actually about a quarter, 25% of all the people that are eligible to refi that never refi. Okay. And then there are others that could refi two and three and four times because it just makes cold blooded sense to save money. And they don't because it's just, once you go, once you buy a place, 
you actually have this thing where you're saying, I don't want to touch it anymore. Right. Even though you could save tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So one thing that we do is that each homeowner gets their own little dashboard and it's mm -hmm. live and it's personalized and it's private. That's just for you mm -hmm. if you're the homeowner. And it would say, hey, uh, based on the rates, based on your loans, based on everything that's going on, doo -doo -doo -doo, green is good, red is bad. Here are some green scenarios where you could save some money. Right on. So, 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 and that's whether it's mortgage insurance, every, everything kind of distills down to green is good and red is bad because we all have lives, right? We're not, we're not asset managers. We're not hedge fund managers. We don't want to analyze worksheets and that sort of thing. So what HomeBot does, it just makes it really easy for that homeowner to say, hey, maybe it's time to go save some money. That's fantastic. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't even think of that kind of stuff. So how did you come up with this idea? <laughs> Well, um, I sold my last company at a realtor.com. Okay. And so it was also in the real estate. Space. It was in the real estate space, uh, not so much lending, but in real estate. And my co-founder and I, Ira, we ended up running R and D for realtor.com for about two and a half years. And we were actually based here in Denver, even though they're a California company. Mm -hmm. So we were doing a ton of research, a ton of development. Um, and we were learning so much about the portal industry. So the Zillow's, the Realtor.com, the, yeah. the Trulia's. And the thing that always struck us as odd was that all of these big companies, there is a big lead generation business. It was a media yes. business. It was Very about much the so. eyeball, right? Yeah. And all of this data science, all of this data, all of this money and people and everything, really distilled down to one simple value proposition. I'm going to get you to look at something and click on something, and then I'm gonna sell your eyes to this real estate agent over here. Mm -hmm. And what we always thought about was, geez, homeowners are so underserved. It's a $31 trillion asset class owned about 200 or $300,000 at a time for each one of these homeowners across the US. Surely we could create content that helped them see their home as an asset, save money and build wealth. Surely we, now the question wasn't, could we build it? It was, would anybody care? So when we left Realtor.com in 2015, we actually spent a year detoxing from the corporate hamster wheel. Were you like traveling and oh, hanging out? Oh, <laughs> I knew, so I knew everybody in the real estate industry everywhere except my own hometown because I was always going around. But we actually spent uh, over a year with just homeowners in the Denver market to figure out if they would care. Because Zillow and these guys have done such a great job at playing on our vanity of wanting to feel rich. Right. I want to feel rich. Don't you want to feel rich? Absolutely. We all want to feel rich. I mean, vanity is such an important lever, behavioral lever. And they build huge businesses out of, that's why the news leads with the crime and the fascination with the abomination of mankind, right? right absolutely. Because it gets eyeballs and you sell advertising that way. So what we wanted to figure out talking to homeowners right here in this Denver market was, do you care about being rich as much as you care about feeling rich? Because we're never going to get over the vanity, right? That's a fool's errand to try to get people to not be vain. Right. We're all vain. Everybody's going to stay vain when it comes to, you know, wanting their home to be worth more and more and more and more and more. And so Zillow did a great job of that with his estimate. So ultimately, you know, that was where, that was the flashpoint for us where we were like going, holy Moses, people really care. They don't, after a great recession, a housing crisis, people don't want to get whacked. 
Yeah. Right. That People, happened 10 years ago. That's right. That's right. So that's ago. kind of the sort of the background on that. Interesting. Um, so and tell us about your background. So you said you sounded like you uh, started another company before uh, Homebot, right? Mm -hmm. That you sold. Yeah. So what's your background? Um, just, uh, so I'm a uh, I'm an engineer, okay. software engineer, hardware en engineer, um, and I got into networking, multi-protocol networking. So I was you know uh, early in my career, and then I ended up in I just stayed in tech for a while. I was in tech, 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 um, and then uh, was completely burned out. Decided to take a year off. It was a year, one year sabbatical that turned into a ten year real estate career. Okay. We don't have enough time to talk about that today, but, <laughs> okay. but I ended up in real estate. And then when I came out of real estate, I came back reincarnated as a real estate tech guy. Gotcha. So for me, being a practitioner has been a gift, really, as a technologist to, to respect nuance, to respect just how complicated processes and industries are as it relates to something like you know real estate, mm -hmm. and uh, and it's I think it's made me a better technologist, and and really everything that we do starts from you know two perspectives: the perspective of the end user, and the perspective of the practitioner. Right. So you were you in the real estate space during two thousand eight and the whole thing? I was. So I what? Was. How? What was that like on your end? <laughs> Well, I was in Telluride, Colorado. Okay. So that was wild. That's where I had, I went there to take a year off. And then, then my realtor kept on saying, hey, hey, you should get into real estate. And then I, I got into real estate and then actually before the recession. And then it took off and everything was going great. And I was a broker and I did all that. And, and then when the market started to dip down, that's actually it intersected with some personal things that were going on. So, and that's what caused me to move to Denver. So I ended up selling the brokerage, but I think that what it's, it's really interesting. You talk about uh, ask about the recession though, because the thing, the way it affected me then and now is I think about all of those people, which millions and millions and millions of people who got their savings wiped out, who lost their homes and Today, my perspective is how can technology, how can what we're doing, if, if this, if it existed back then, how would it have saved people? Right. How would it have caused a homeowner to say, you know, I got $250,000 of equity and that's down from $300,000 of equity. I need to, I need to sell this and put that equity in my mattress and go rent a place. And it's not going to be as fancy. I'm not going to own my home, but you know, I know that's kind of an extreme decision, but I tell you right now, if you went to several million people back then and yeah. made that offer to them, they'd probably take you, take you up on it in a heartbeat. Yeah, that's actually interesting. And I never really thought about it in terms of the technology that was lacking back then, just because we didn't create it at that Absolutely. point and how, yeah, things were, if we had the technology, how things probably would be very different. Yeah, uh, in 2008, if people knew that they had to sell their home, it, it really comes down to one. And I, I, I hate this terminology, but I ha it's democratizing this financial intelligence for everybody, right? It's 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 basically saying you don't have to be a hedge fund manager, you don't have to be an asset right. manager, you don't have to be a Wall Street person, you don't have to be, you know, what I'm saying you don't have to be yeah. a brainiac to figure out that you should take some money up, you should time to sell, or maybe now it's not the perfect time to buy, or maybe you shouldn't over invest in this. Right. So we, in a lot of ways, we've sort of packed 
like all of that, think all of that intelligence for each individual homeowner to help them make smarter decisions. Oh, that's fantastic. So you're only selling this product, HomeBot, to real estate and loan officers. You're not directly selling to the consumer. That's correct. So there's, the okay. consumer never pays. Okay. Right. But what if I was a consumer and was interested in a platform like that? Well, then you'd uh, need to um, call your lender or okay. real estate agent okay. and say, give me some HomeBots. Okay. Well, because it could be like, if I own a house now, like I would maybe want access to that now. Maybe I bought my house five years ago and I don't really you know, talk to my real estate agent, you know, I still would be interested in having a platform like that because, you know, I'm like, maybe I need to refinance or maybe. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I will share this with you. There is there. Number one, that agent or lender would be very happy to get your phone call. Okay. And number two, if they don't answer your call, I'm sure there's a lot of lenders and agents that would be very happy to get that phone call okay. from you and say, can I have some home buy? Okay. But um, in Denver, since we're based here, uh -huh. I'm really proud of the fact that in the metropolitan area, um, one out of three homeowners already have home buy. Wow, that's fantastic. So it looks like you're penetrating the market pretty well. Yeah, I mean, we're in 50 states now, but you know, Denver's home, and this is our test bed, and it's just been an amazing place to build this company. Right, that's yeah. fantastic. So uh, share some recent wins that you've had. I mean, it sounds like you're doing really well. You're in one out of three homes now in Denver. So any, any other wins you want to share? Well, you know, our ability to be based in Denver and, and and that's for us has been really important because it turns out that the Denver market has a lot of lenders, national lenders that have presence here. Mm -hmm. So our ability to get a lot of these customers, these lenders and agents, real estate agents in the Denver market was actually the foundation that allowed us to go nationally. Because when we decided to go nationally a couple of years ago, it was, well, we already have presence in 20 of the top 50 lenders who have a national footprint. So I guess the win, if you will, um, for us um, is, is really being, it's going national over the last 18 months. And that's fantastic. Yeah. And, but we, you know, we always, always bring it back home. Right. So as we develop new product, you know, it's, it's great to be able to be face to face with your customers. That's fantastic. So, uh, what are some new initiatives that you have going on? I mean, you have some like amazing wins, but anything, are you developing more in Hobot in terms of like the technology or is there going to be new features or new products? Yeah. I mean, without getting into the weeds on it, uh, kind of going back to the conversation, we have this internal, we, we, we have a strategy, a consumer success strategy that we call winter is coming. Okay. Winter is coming. Does is, is that mean the recession's coming? Or? Yes. Recession always comes. Right. It's, it's, not, it's not if, it's always when. And so, and it doesn't really matter when. What matters is, is that the way that we're thinking about building new features, like right now we're building um, some technology that we're going deeper with really helping the homeowner understand when to sell, always right. to sell the home. There's a lot, like in the U.S., we're in an all-time high of equity. Right, because we've had prosperity for 13 years. Absolutely. And so we don't, you know, there's a lot of people out there that should not be sitting around just waiting for the recession. They should be downsizing. They should be doing, taking cash out of their home. And stick, I mean, whether it's sticking the mattress, funding their kids 529 plan or their 401k, it doesn't really matter. The point is, is that we are actively building technology and we're going to be rolling some really cool stuff out this year that really helps the home owner understand that 
A, their home is the asset, and they should be, they really should be selling right now. And to get over, right now, so much of selling is emotionally driven. Investors aren't emotionally driven. It's about numbers, right? right? Yeah. So I would say that's the, kind of the biggest thing that we're, coolest, biggest, coolest thing that we're working on right now is when to sell. This podcast is brought to you by the Digital Marketing Method Monthly Group Coaching Program, your methodology for growing your business and your social media following. Join me and my group of supportive entrepreneurs and learn how you can grow your business and your social media following, where we cover topics such as Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, email marketing, and so much more. Go to dmgroup.online, dmgroup.online. Yeah, it is. It's a good point that you mentioned. It is so emotionally driven, right? Because I mean, it's like the whole thing about the American dream, owning the house, right? And so like now it's like, oh, I have to sell my house. Like that's a little, that's a little unsettling, well, right? You know what else is part of the American dream? Being able to retire. Yes, that's true. And to not work anymore. Yeah. And again, that for us, our, we're on a mission to help the, the, the homeowner understand that this is their retirement plan. All those people... And all of that work that goes to help manage your 401k and savings, who's managing the wealth of your home? Yeah, that's nobody. A, that's a good point. Yeah, no one's managing. You, if you Homebot is managing. Well, it. it's helping you. Uh, you it's, actually, it's Homebot and your lender and your real estate agent. There's a cooperative there that's helping you make smarter decisions. So what I always say is like, we're not trying to displace the humans out of this. We feel very strongly that the lender and the agent have unbelievable sort of dry powder potential to help people after the closing and the best ones they get that and so all we are is a platform that sort of you know you know creates the the you know the the, the recipe for them to work in a way that isn't salesy it's actually Right. has intrinsic value. I was going to say, you know, I mean, this might sound kind of off, but like what is, if I'm a real estate agent, what is really my incentive to work with someone who's already bought a house, right? Because I mean, I got my commission, I'm good to go. Like it's the problem. It's the problem. Uh, so lenders and agents, the problem is, is that, Hey, why well, once I've sold you a house or sold you a loan on a house right now, statistically, you're not going to buy another home for 13 years. Yep. See ya. Well, guess what? Um, actually, the lender has potential to refi you probably maybe two times over that 13. Right. So it's a little bit better for the lender. But, not but, but you nailed it, though. Yeah. That's the problem is that historically, that's the way they think. The, the industry has thought about nurturing that relationship. It's like, eh. Well, very little nurture. It's like, like 13. Yeah, I don't even know if I'm going to be in the business in exactly, 13 years, yeah. right? And I think that what, what the industry already knows is that the, the healthiest way to build a great business, healthiest for your clients, healthiest for you, is to build it on this premise of repeat and referral business. And if you, and so then the big question is, well, how do you stay relevant to people over 13 years? And that's where HomeBot comes in. I love it. No, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, building relationships is really the way to go, but it's just like, I know that in the real estate space, not that I'm an expert, I know that, you know, they have an incentive and then after that is gone, That's it's right. kind of like, all right, see ya, thanks. <laughs> but the best, I'm telling you, the, the people that are at the top of their game. True. Um, and, and, you know, not surprisingly, especially when I talk to lenders, most of the top producing lenders 
You know why they want to be lenders? They didn't get into the business to make money or to make a lot of money. They got in the business because they want to help people. They're like, oh, I'm helping people buy their home. Yeah. And, you know, with scale and everybody gets so busy and everything, you know, all of a sudden everybody looks like a transaction. You don't have time and everybody's distracted on this. How are you going to spend any quality time with people? That's a, in a lot of ways, I say that's the problem is that you become a victim of your own success. You have this huge business now. I don't know who to call or when to call them or what to talk about. Right. So it'll just be a, a transaction. So I think I'm really excited. I, what I get ex excited about every single day is that we're creating a really great value on both sides of that. Right. We're, it's a more informed, more educated consumer. And it's a, and it's a lender primarily because that's our main customer group that gets to do what they love to do, which is help people and make a great living and scale a business. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. I love hearing that. Um, so we talked a little bit about your win. So what are some of the biggest challenges in your industry? And that could be in the Denver area, it could be in the tech industry, it could be in the real estate industry. <laughs> yeah. So, um, no doubt about it. Um, people, uh, hiring people are always a challenge. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, you know, too, scaling a business, you realize like the inputs, whether it's manufacturing or technology or whatever, is people. Yeah. It's always about people. And so the challenge um, is, I think, particularly in Denver, the, the secret is out, right? Big, big market for tech companies. Yeah. And so if you're a Bay Area company now, right? And you're going, oh, the cost of living out here is X, and the cost of living in Denver is X divided by two. Um, we can go out to Denver and we can start, and we've seen this, right? Oh, absolutely. We've, we've seen these companies come to town. And it, you know, as an early stage company, it puts a tremendous amount of pressure on us to try to compete right. in an area where, quite frankly, we can't win. You cannot, you know, the, that benefit package, and this, I always talk about this, it's like you can't, you have to understand what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. And when Slack comes out here or Amazon comes out here, they can throw money around. Yeah. You know, and, and nothing against them. If I had all that money, I'd throw it around too, right? Because right. they know what we just talked about. It's about people being able to. And so they know that there's a lot of great, ambitious brains in this market. And it's a growing population of ambitious brains. And for us, the, um, you know, actually that challenge, we, uh, it's a great challenge because, um, you know, there's really only two ways that an earlier stage company differentiates. It's not through the benefit package or the salary. It's through your mission. Right. And it's through your culture and your team. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> and no, you know, no one's going to have your mission. So you're either going to attract people, you know, you either attract people to, to your mission or you don't, right? It's kind of binary. Either right. you love the mission you're not. And so for us, this idea that we're empowering the little guy and that if that's your jam, you, that that resonates with you. Right. That's part A. Now, don't get me wrong. We're competitive when it comes to. I think we pay really. I think we pay really well, um, but we're never going to be able to reach and match Amazon's top offer, right? Yeah. Um, but then the other part is the culture, and I think that what's really cool about all these ambitious brains in Colorado is that they're they're also human, and human connection and being a part of something that's bigger themselves. So for us, our culture is just 
it's everything to us. We're big on servant leadership and that in a world where it's all about me, 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 that we attract people and we have a, a value around um, caring more about team wins than you do your own individual win. And if, if you're not wired that way, that's cool. It's just that you don't necessarily intersect with who we are as a culture. We, we, we even team, we team sell, you know, salespeople, salespeople like to hold that award right. you know, by themselves on the stage. Right. Yeah. Much more collaborative environment. Yeah. Yeah. So even though it's a huge challenge in Denver, um, it's exciting for us because what we're finding from a, a recruiting perspective is that we're like going, okay, because we just have to find out, do you intersect with those two things, our culture? Because if you do, oh my gosh, you're going to be so happy. We're going to be so happy. And it's a magical thing. Even though it becomes more and more pin in the haystack, right. it's, it's, it's become a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, and it's not always about the money, right? I mean, it also, maybe I want to work for a startup versus working for a Slack, which is a big giant company now. Right. So, you know, I, I would even go so far and I'm not, I'm not dissing on the larger companies or whatever, because maybe that's the culture. Yeah, that exactly. You connect with that, with that culture yeah. there too. But ultimately if company A pays $5,000 more than company B, but in company A, you're going to spend six and a half minutes every morning in the parking garage, white knuckled on your steering wheel because it's an environment that is oppressive and not fun for you. Right. Is it worth 5k? Probably not. No. But by the way, that's for you to decide. Yeah. All I'm saying is that we just want to make sure that we under that we understand those trade offs and that we're making sure that we're um, that we're hiring for culture first. Absolutely. No, that's totally that totally makes sense because I mean you want to hire hire the right people and it just depends on where where they want to be and where they want to work. Right. So yeah, the cool part about it is is that we have, and, and I know there's a lot of companies that are doing this too. I mean. If you're at early yeah. stage, these are the... These because are the, you can't compete with, the, that's right. with like an Amazon or a Slack. There's right? some amazing cultures being built in Denver. And that's awesome because the more variety of cultures there are, the, you know, if you're an ambitious brain in this market, you, you get to pick something that really connects with you in a, on a very, very discreet and real level. And I love that. I, just, I think that's really a cool part about the marketplace, you know, for hiring. Yeah. So all these little cultures and they're all unique and you yeah. just got to find the one that you connect with. Absolutely. That's true. Yeah. So uh, piggybacking, piggybacking off of that, um, you mentioned, of course, hiring people. And one of the things that I've heard about tech companies in Denver in general is they use Instagram to put their face out there, to put their mm -hmm. team out there as a way to recruit uh, new individuals. Are you currently using that? And also, how are you using social media in general besides Instagram? So, um, so here's, uh, so first of all, as it relates to recruiting, we do use Instagram and, and it's, we have a, we happen to have a culture that visually is very fun. Right. It's like, you could just look at, the way we are at events and in our own offices. And it really, I mean, that medium of video, even just pictures, really, I mean, we just happen to have, we have like hot pink colors and you know what I'm saying? And, yeah, yeah. And uh, people, branding, that yeah. Just, we have such, such great energy that really comes through that medium. I don't know that all cultures necessarily can come through a medium like that. It just so happens that ours does. Right. So Instagram is really important to us that way. Um, interestingly enough, when it comes to sales, we have just a really strong word of mouth 
-hmm. in the industry, we really don't use social media for sales and marketing yet. <laughs> okay. I think that um, this year that we'll lean into LinkedIn. Absolutely. I think LinkedIn and Facebook are going to be yeah. the two places that I would engage with audiences. But, you know, it's, you know, again, early stage. It's like you can't, you know, we, we try to put an oar in as many waters as we can and then figure out which ones are the best. And then when you finally get to scale, then you can say, oh, well, this is the best. And we can afford to go second best and third best, right? You don't have to of just. Course. Yeah, you, know. you can. Um, but for sure, I would say creating content, especially on LinkedIn, just because the algorithm is not like Facebook, where it's there, you know, put you all the way at the bottom. Um, on LinkedIn, you can get a lot of engagement. So if that's a social media platform where your audiences are hanging out, then just creating content for now before even doing any sort of advertising, it would be my recommendation. Yeah, I mean, I think we're starting to um, to move in into that area. It's interesting this year we have a lot of generalists as it relates to sales and marketing, and now we're starting to starting to hire in, in marketing with uh, definitely you know more acumen around doing this more systematically. So right. I'm 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 stoked about it. But I'm also like going, oh man, how you know, I'm really, you know, it's you know, I have it's like well, a little bit of regret. It's like oh, I wish I'd been doing more of it. But you know, eyes on the road, looking forward. Of course, yeah. It's always and if that opportunity was there yesterday, you know, it's probably still gonna be there today. Yeah, that's true. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I being someone who does social media all the time and loves social media, it's like I'm always like, how do you you know find a you know, a, a process or a strategy that doesn't cost you, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but still allows you to get in front of your audiences and engage with them. So. Yeah, you know, what's funny about it, though, is that um, sort of the nature of our culture, we're like this con this content machine, right? right? It's like we go to events and everybody's talking and, you know, we have testimonials. So we got that part. That's I mean, great. Now you that. gotta just push it out. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> push it out to social. Awesome. Exactly. Um, so, uh, one question I typically ask is: one, what is one tool that you use that's critical in your business? One tool. Well, that could be a tool like project management tool, or it could be a tool specifically designed for your business. I mean, it could be anything that you think um, is critical for you. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'm not gonna. I won't speak for the whole company, but I will speak for me. Sure. And. Um, I think it's really interesting that PowerPoint. Okay. The uh, that, that PowerPoint, and I know there's you know other cooler, better you know presentation, but it's really about how do you communicate um, complex ideas more visually and packaged up to other people. Because at the end of the day, it's really just about how do you communicate. And I see PowerPoint. It's, it's I have a love hate relationship with PowerPoint. It's like. I love it because I think that it, it sort of forces, you know, or it should force you to kind of condense your thoughts right. and maybe be more graphical. But my hate relationship is, is that it doesn't feel like there's enough consulting or enough best practice out there to say this, this medium is really powerful if you do A, B, C, and D, and E. And I know I could Google it, but I always, I'm always in search of like a PowerPoint consultant because I think really? that, because I see my... Uh, development, my product teams using PowerPoints, customer success teams, PowerPoints, sales, use mark, you know what I'm saying? They, they use PowerPoint to communicate ideas and plans and, and that so much. Um, I know that's a boring answer, but no, that's, that's great. I, I, that's an interesting point. Uh, what about video? Have you thought about using video to 
um, kind of in a similar fashion communicate more complex ideas. Yeah, we use a lot of we use Zoom and you know. Oh no, I mean like marketing videos, like for example, like you know a two three minute uh, video about like what HomePod is about or. Yeah, or yeah, we've definitely. Uh, you know what we've kind of discovered too. This is really cool. I think about the way the culture intersects with this technology is that we started out where we had we hired a guy who really knew video and he bought all the expensive equipment and you know had the screen and when we would shoot video it would always be not highly produced but semi produced now the culture and plus iPhones and Androids right. now have amazing cameras is that organically people are just shooting videos absolutely it, and it's high quality because it's you know it's a pretty advanced device um, and now and we already see that popping up sort of episodically and then i think that's our big challenge like i said is like how do we lasso that in a structured way to get that online as opposed to it just living on everybody's phone yeah, or, yes, or being yes. shared in slack yeah yeah you no, probably absolutely. thought i was gonna say slack too Maybe <laughs> no no cool. i didn't I, I you know I, this this question is up for grabs right like, <laughs> i don't know i don't know it could be slack it could be project management it could be i have a lot of slack too too you know? it's just like you look at my slack and it's like a Christmas tree, all lit up, or whatever. I love what it, how it's taken that out of my, my email box. But right. Again, but it's interesting because these are still just tools. Tools to communicate right. with each other. Just, but yeah, it, yeah, like with any tool, it can it can help you or it can destroy you, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's right. just a tool, right? <laughs> it's just how you use it, right? Sure. The same thing with a hammer, right? So, interesting point. Um, and then my last question is, what is your prediction for the industry? And that could be anything related to any industry it could be yours it could be real estate it could be self-driving cars <laughs> yeah um, what do you see in the horizon for the next five or ten years well here's what i think is really really exciting um and that is uh, vertical SaaS. okay vertical I, well, software what is that? i actually am not aware of vertical SaaS. so you know you've got here you got salesforce in the bay area right and right. slack and all these bay, all these coastal companies that develop tremendous horizontal platforms. That no matter what business that you're in, right? You know, Microsoft with their Outlook and everything. It's a great horizontal SaaS technology. Whether you're in healthcare or lending or finance, everybody in Salesforce, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Or horizontal technology. I think where these big companies, these big coastal companies, tech companies struggle is when it's time to start creating software that is more vertically oriented to industry. And, and the reason I say that is because, A, as you start to see venture capital and accelerators and startups start to move across the U.S., not just on the coasts, if you really, I think if you peel the onion back a little bit, what you'll see is, is that um, the reason that it's doing well is because in Denver, Colorado, there are a lot of lenders. So we can really specialize around a vertical SaaS for the lending industry. Right. Or in, um, you know, I don't, you know, maybe in uh, Indiana or in some agricultural states, you'll see tech companies that are agri, you know, uh, uh, tech for agriculture, mm -hmm. right? Because that's vertical now, it's specific to the industry. So you have founders that have domain expertise. You have companies that are surrounded by a lot of those vertical companies. Right. That if you're going to build an aggregate cultural tech company, it's probably not in Bay, and it's probably not in no. San Francisco, and it's probably not in New York City, right? <laughs> maybe in San Francisco, but you know, there's a lot of agriculture in the Central Valley, but maybe not New York. You see where I'm going with that, though. And so, yeah. so that's where I get. So, 
and for me, I, and I, I'm not necessarily predicting the future, I just think that we've already seen some infill happen yeah, with the absolutely. Midwest and, you know, throughout the U.S. around early stage companies and building technology, but particularly vertical SaaS. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that um, over the next five or 10 years. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that that, I think the, the dark side of that could be to where some of the coastal companies want to acquire these companies and, and, and pull them in. And it's like, don't do that. Don't do that. The reason that they were great is because they were sitting right on top of the industry right. um, that they were developing for. True. But that is always the case, right? Everybody wants to have their big payday. I mean, that's probably a whole other conversation yeah. for a whole other podcast episode <laughs> that you can come back and we can talk about that. But yeah, I mean, those, those are always challenging, right? Because you got, you got a small company, you got a good culture. Not to say that like big companies don't have a don't have a good culture, but more just that it's a different, you know, it's a smaller company and they have their own specific culture and then they get acquired, but you know, it's not always the best for the company necessarily. Sure. <laughs> so it might be the it might be really good for the owner and the CEO of the company or the president of the company, but not always um for you know, best it, for the company. I will itself. say it is kind of cool though to see companies like Sengrid that are still here. Right. Right. That's true. You know, and even though they IPO that they're, you know, yeah. still I mean, I think it's are, they, are they still here? Yeah, I believe okay, so. Sure. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think more companies are sticking around here, even if they get bought out, they probably stay here just because you know it's now becoming more of a bigger city and more more resources here and more people obviously moving in. And so yeah, I think the places like Sengrid probably are more likely to stay just because they don't have to move to the Bay Area now. Sure. There's kind of the reason why a lot of them are moving to Denver. There's good food here now. Exactly. <laughs> I, it's a funny story. I remember, you know, Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. yeah. So I remember back, like, this is like 10 or 15 years ago, he came to Denver and he's like, he was like really not happy with the food here. Obviously, you know, he's a big food critic. And, and so I remember that, like that little video of seeing of him, how he's like totally bashing the food in Denver, which, you know, for it makes sense. 10, 15 sure. years ago, the food here was pretty crappy. So, uh, so yes, it has gotten much better, better chefs and you know, and all kinds of um, food from all. You know, that's cool too. I mean, when you you think about like competition, I used to, I had a say I had a uh, a product guy uh, executive many years ago. I had this idea for a product, and he said, um, uh, "If you and he says, well, who's who are the competitors for that product?" And I said, "Well, there are no competitors. That's what makes it so great." And he goes, "Ernie, there's always competitors. If you're if you're if you're." Uh, competing in a space with no competitors you don't have a space there's no such thing if right. it's a real space competitors flock to that and it's kind of cool to see kind of going back to what we we're talking about earlier but culinary too it's like man competition is so good for innovation right um yeah. culinary right tag. obviously <laughs> beer yeah tag you know so i think it. that's really exciting not just for the tech community but the culinary community and so many other um, industries that drives yeah, in Denver. It's just exciting. And, and what I love about it too is that I think that from a leadership perspective that you've got a lot of really successful people from like the Boulder area and the Denver area that have done really, really well. Um, the leadership, the, the government leadership has really facilitated a culture of co-opetition. You compete, you cooperate, the rising tide lifts all boats. We're right. all friends. It doesn't matter if we're competing for the same, yeah. you know, for the same, you know, product person or 
office manager, right? We, yeah. we know that we're, we're building something that's bigger than ourselves, and that's an ecosystem of innovation right yeah. in Denver. And Denver has been really great at that in the last 10, 15 years. I say 10 years. Yeah, Absolutely. Been there right after the recession, it's like this place blew up. How long have you been in Colorado? Well, I moved to Colorado oh, uh, late November or November 2000. Oh, yeah. And the, but you lived in Telluride. And I've been, uh, I was there for 10 years and I've been here for 10 years. Awesome. In Denver. Yeah, it's changed a lot over the last 10 years. That's when I moved here 10 years ago as well to, to Denver. And it's, uh, it's a lot different. Yeah, <laughs> it is. For, for better or worse, it's a lot different. So awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here. Thank Ernie you, Graham, Homebot. Uh, check it out. And yeah, we'll see you next time. Maybe we'll talk about selling companies next time. Awesome. <laughs>